Blog Talk Radio. What an introduction. Good morning and welcome to the Bless You Boys podcast for December the 20th, 2014. I'm your host, Hook Slide. Happy to have you along for the ride for the next 30 minutes or so as we talk Tigers baseball. If this is your first time listening to the show, the Bless You Boys podcast is a feature of the Bless You Boys website. You can find us online at www.blessyouboys.com, on Twitter at Bless You Boys, and on Facebook. Just search for Bless You Boys and you'll find us there. So, joining me in the virtual studio this morning is uh, Rob Rojacki, one of the managing editors for Bless You Boys, and a doctor of physical therapy. We like to pick uh, Rob's brain for all the injury news related to the Tigers. Rob, how you doing? Not bad. Good, good. Are you surviving the off season? I'm getting there. It's uh, it's getting pretty long, especially now that we only got knocked out in the division series this year. Not used to that. No, no, it was a very long and uh, baseball this sort of October that, like you said, we're not really used to having to deal with that. So all the excitement was focused on the uh, on the winter meetings this year and what sort of uh, trades and acquisitions the Tigers were going to make. We'll talk a little bit about that, too. But uh, first, I want to talk uh, with you just a little bit about uh, some of the injuries and uh, surgeries and recoveries and all that good stuff. Um Beginning with Miguel Cabrera, who immediately after uh, the offseason back in October underwent, uh, I'm looking at the press release, underwent right ankle surgery to remove bone spurs and to repair a stress fracture on his navicular bone. Rob, what can you tell us about what those terms even mean? Well, bone spurs are just, uh, you know, they may be calcium deposits or formations of bone in areas that they really shouldn't be. Um, you can think of it just kind of like little pieces of bone floating around in the ankle joint. Um, and, you know, pretty much any time you move or put weight through it, depending on where those are exactly, that can cause, uh, you know, a decent amount of pain. And I remember reading an interview that Dave Dombrowski did during the, uh, during the winter meetings. Actually, uh, I take it back, it was an interview on MLB Network that I was watching. Um, and he had said that, you know, the doctors had removed seven or eight pretty sizable bone chips from his ankle. So, Sounds like there was a, a lot of damage going on in there. And, and what does that relate to in terms of the stress fracture? Where, where is the navicular bone anyway? The navicular bone is uh, is the bone that supports the arch of the foot. Um, hmm. You know, you've got several bones in the foot. Um, if you if you can think about it, kind of like you know the the big Jenga puzzle, and the navicular okay. is if you pull the navicular is the one you pull out, and the entire tower topples over. Hmm. Um, it's very important bone in the foot, and anytime you have a stress fracture, it's usually in on that navicular bone because it supports so much of your weight and is such an important bone in the foot. Okay, so that gives us a little bit uh, better of understanding, medically speaking, what's going on there. Now, the question, of course, is you know what does that mean 
uh, in terms of the baseball world. When we when we think about Miguel Cabrera, uh, you know, being such an important key part of that lineup, uh, I've got to imagine that if he's got issues with his foot, that that's going to reflect in some way uh, in terms of the, the the power in his swing. Absolutely, um, especially with it being in that right foot there. He's really having to plant and drive off of that foot whenever he's swinging the bat. And uh, I, I imagine that, you know, pretty much every swing he took was probably fairly painful. Uh, I know we saw instances of him last year, you know, really only standing on one foot when he was swinging and still hitting the ball out of the ballpark. So it's very impressive that he was able to do that. And to be able to play through a stress fracture in that foot for, you know, a, a month or more of the season is just phenomenal. So is this the sort of thing that uh, you think you know, he's going to be struggling with it well into the season, to June, July, maybe even into August? Will we see Miguel Cabrera finally at 100%? You know, earlier in the offseason, I actually wrote a piece that, you know, I was very concerned about his recovery. Um, you know, they, the team had said that Cabrera would be reevaluated in January after having the surgery. Um, you know, with a stress fracture like that, they're they're offloading his foot uh, you saw him around on that scooter, um, you know, for six weeks or more. And then finally getting him back to doing any sort of weight bearing, uh, putting weight through that foot, starting to walk again. Uh, but then, you know, a week or two ago, he tweets out a picture of him doing some exercises. Now, granted, he wasn't putting weight through that right foot, but he had the boot off. He was wearing a normal shoe. Um, so that really kind of made me a bit more optimistic about his recovery. Um, you know, it's tough to say where exactly he's going to be at. You know, we're basing all of this on one picture that was probably carefully selected out of, uh, you know, a number <laughs> of different things he's been doing out of his rehab. So it's tough to say where exactly he would be, but based on what we can see from Matt and just kind of knowing how this pr- process goes, um, you know, being able to wear the wear just a normal shoe, not having the boot on, you know, six or eight weeks after surgery or whatever it was exactly is a pretty good sign. So we'll see exactly how he looks during spring training and how much he's how much he's really doing. But uh, so far, I'm pretty optimistic that we'll get, you know, a, a healthy Mickey heading into the season. So you're optimistic that he'll be there for spring training? Yeah, he may not be doing everything right at the start, but I think that he will, you know, be pretty close to doing uh, everything, taking batting practice, playing in the field, you know, maybe not doing too much base running. Uh, we'll see about that. Um, but pretty early on, I think he should be to doing everything he needs to do on a daily basis. Okay, good. If you're just tuning in, uh, we're talking with Rob Rojack. you here at BlessYouBoys.com on the Bless You Boys podcast. Rob, let's move on uh, to Bruce Rondon, another uh, member of the Tigers, you know, who went through uh, injury surgery. This was last year when he had uh, Tommy John surgery and missed the entire 2014 season. Um, now, I, I know we've seen recently in the news, Dave Dombrowski says that he's pretty well content with the way the bullpen is, is shaking out for 2015, but he expects Bruce Rondon to be a key contributor to that bullpen. And so I guess my question is, when we look at what happened with Joel Hanrahan last year, he was about a year removed from his own Tommy John surgery when the Tigers signed him uh, last uh early last summer, uh, but he never really was able to rehab enough to be a contributor. Are we looking at a similar situation with Bruce Rondon? Should the Tigers really be counting on him at all in 2015? It's kind of a two-part question there. Um, if I, it, It's tough to say whether we're looking at a similar situation with Rondon as what we saw with Hanrahan. Um, you know, people will say that they have Tommy John surgery down to a science. 
but the recovery from that is still pretty variable. You know, you've got Hanrahan, who is basically two years removed from from pitching. Um, you know, that's kind of an extreme case. But then you've also got cases where guys have come back in 11 and 12 months and, you know, pitched fairly well. So the recovery time there can is still pretty variable. Um, and it's tough to say where exactly Rondon is at at that point. Um, you know, the Tigers will have a lot better idea of where he's at than I will. Uh, so we'll see kind of what he's doing during spring training, if he's pitching right away, if he's throwing, what his velocity looks like when we finally get them on TV. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where that is, where all of that is from uh, his standpoint. Now as to whether the Tigers should be relying on him, I would like to see them air out the side of caution. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think they need to go out and sign another high-priced guy. You've got a couple, you know, decent options in the bullpen. You know, Al Albuquerque can, according to Brad Austin, sometimes pitch the seventh inning. So that should be yeah. nice to see if he can get in there. Um, you know, you got a couple other options. I'm intrigued a little bit by Alex Wilson, who they just got from the Red Sox. Uh, you know, and if you can get Josh Zide, the guy that picked up from Houston on track, that could be uh, a nice little piece for them as well. In terms of the recovery time from Tommy John, I know you said it's kind of a variable situation. Uh, just give us a little bit of insight um, in terms of does age play into that at all? Is it easier for a younger guy like Rondon to snap back faster? Yeah, I would say that it's easier for a younger guy to, to bounce back a little bit uh, just from you know purely a tissue healing and you know age standpoint. A guy in his 20s is going to heal a little bit quicker than a guy in his 30s. You know, any weekend warrior who's gone out and played flag football or anything like that will be able to tell you the same thing. Um, it's okay. really kind of the same idea as that, that, that Rondon, you know, being 23, 24 years old, it's probably going to have a better chance of, you know, pitching closer to that 12 month mark than Hanrahan was in his thirties. So there is much yet to be revealed at spring training this year. I think we'll all be watching with uh, eager anticipation to see how that, how that works out both for Rondon and for Miguel Cabrera. Rob, let's move on to talk a little bit about uh, the, the big news, I guess, in the last couple of weeks after the uh, winter meetings. Um, the Tigers did make some pretty big moves uh, in terms of trading away starting pitcher Rick Porcello uh, to the Boston Red Sox in exchange uh, for Ioannis Cespedes, of all people, to fill that spot in the outfield vacated by Torrey Hunter. And as you mentioned, they also picked up uh, Alex Wilson and uh, Gabe Spire, right? Yeah, it was a minor league that they that they picked up. Uh, so, and in addition to the Red Sox trade, they also traded off uh, shortstop Eugenio Suarez and uh, prospect Jonathan Crawford to the Cincinnati Reds for starting pitcher Alfredo Simon. So, I wanted to kind of dive into those trades just a little bit. Let's start with the Red Sox trade. Uh, Rob, tell us what do you think in terms of uh, how much does Juan Cespedes realistically help the Tigers' offense? It's tough to say. Um, you know, he wasn't the greatest hitter last year. The last couple of years, I think he's been kind of just a league average hitter or slightly better. Uh, you know, the power is definitely great. He's able to hit, you know, 20, 25 home runs a year. But that low batting average and low on-base percentage kind of limits his overall effectiveness. Um, you know, he's a guy that can definitely slot into the middle of the order, but I think they have a little bit more of a need for a guy that can get on base in front of their bigger bats. Um, but I'm also a little wary of trusting J.D. Martinez in the fifth spot again this year. Um, you know, we'll right. see what he gives us again. Uh, so adding Cespedes, I think, is kind of an insurance policy for him more so than, uh, you know, just left field in general. 
Right. In terms of the offensive production from Cespedes, I, I put it out on Twitter a little while back, and I took a little bit of heat for saying so, but to me his numbers you know, offensively look very, very similar to uh, Torrey Hunter, maybe a little more power than Hunter showed last year, but also a little less uh, what we'll call plate discipline, like you said, not getting on base as much, striking out a little more often than Torrey Hunter. I mean, is that an adequate comparison? And, of course, I'm not talking about defense. I'm talking about the offense. I think it's a fairly adequate uh, comparison. I know Hunter had a little bit better numbers than Cespedes last year, particularly with the batting average. But uh, Cespedes actually had a higher walk rate, uh, which I found surprising. Um, you know, Hunter huh. you know, barely walked at all when he was – here with the Tigers. I'm looking it up now, and he didn't even walk 50 times in two years with the Tigers. Um, so that's a you know pretty pretty significant uh, you know significantly low walk rate from him. So we'll see what Cespedes can give us. You know if he can get you know 270, 280, that you know even with a middling walk rate there, he should be able to hold his own with an on base percentage and let the sh- let the power shine through. But, of course, now the big uptick is in, in the defensive area because it looks like, according to the numbers at least, Cespedes is a huge improvement over Torrey Hunter. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, you know, you look at Cespedes' defensive numbers overall, and they're not too impressive for his career. But if you look closer, uh, in 2012 and 2013, the A's had him playing, you know, a decent amount of center field. Uh, and he wasn't too great out there. But, you know, in the cor- in the corner, he's actually a pretty good defender. He's got decent range. Uh, you know, he's got that incredible arm that we've seen highlight after highlight of. Um, you know, he'll misplay a ball or two every now and then. Um, but with the range in the arm, I think that makes up for a lot of deficiencies in his uh, ability to judge a ball off the bat. And, of course, he's got that beautiful cannon from left field. Yeah, I I remember looking up the numbers there, and I think he had slightly less outfield assists over the last three years than the entire Tigers outfield, so he should be a significant upgrade in that regard, too. Yeah, so we'll think of it in, in these kind of terms. It's like saying, uh, you know, whatever he doesn't provide on offense, he should certainly make up for on defense and defensive run saved, or at least that's the uh, that's the hope, that's the theory. Again, if you're just tuning in, this is uh, we're talking with Robert Jackie on the Bless You Boys podcast, uh, feature of BlessYouBoys.com. Find us online, www.BlessYouBoys.com. Uh, let's talk a little bit, Rob, about the other trade, the one that had Tigers fans kind of scratching their heads, uh, giving up Eugenio Suarez and Jonathan Crawford for red starting pitcher Alfredo Simon. Um, now, honestly, the only thing that I can say about Simon is the little bit that I've picked up from reading his stats lines. Uh, I never had the opportunity to actually see him pitch, you know, to see what kind of stuff he features. Uh, ha- have you had a chance to kind of delve into that a little bit? Yeah, I was able to take a look back, uh, you know, through one of my baseball withdrawals a couple weeks ago. I went back and watched a couple of his starts. Um, he's got, you know, a big two-seam fastball uh, that goes, you know, gets up to 94, 95 miles, 95 miles an hour. So he's got some decent velocity there. But he doesn't get a lot of a lot of swings and misses with it. He's uh, more of a ground ball pitcher. Um, you know, in a couple starts I watched, uh, which were early in the 2014 season, he was really locating it well and getting ahead of hitters which is good. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to take a look back at his later season start, uh, but he definitely struggled then. And, you know, pretty much everything we're, everything we've seen with the stat line suggests that, you know, it, you know, his batting average on balls and play was very low early in 2014. And once that kind of regressed to the mean in the later part of the season, he really started to struggle a bit more. 
Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens when he's got, you know, what should actually be a fairly decent Tigers defense, uh, infield defense behind him. Um, you know, maybe he can kind of replicate a little bit of that luck and give Tigers another uh, another solid first half in 2015. And now with all the moving pieces in these in these two trades, obviously they're they're very much connected. Dave Dombrowski said they were not going to give up uh, Rick Porcello to get Ioannis Cespedes until they were sure they could uh, fill that hole in the rotation that Porcello would leave. Now they filled that hole with Alfredo Simon. Is that really a, a, an adequate replacement though for Porcello? Can Simon match those kinds of numbers? I don't think Simon's going to be able to match Porcello's numbers. Um, you know, he's got a career ERA in the fours. Uh, and everything we're seeing from last season suggests that that first half was uh, more of an aberration than anything. Um, but he should be able to, you know, eat plenty of innings and be, a, you know, a decent fourth or fifth starter. Uh, we've been very spoiled in the last few years to have, you know, an, an amazing rotation. Um, and, you know, people are kind of forgetting that, you know, it, even, a, even an ERA in the fours isn't too bad for a fourth or fifth starter as long as they're eating eating plenty of innings. So we'll see what Simon can provide for that regard. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the trade. I think that the Tigers could have gotten a little bit more for Suarez and, uh, and Crawford, especially seeing what the what the White Sox were able to get for Marcus Semien, who I would consider maybe a shade better than Suarez at this point. Um, but, you know, we kind of got to deal with the hand that we're dealt here. Um, you know, and I think that Simon, you know, even if he does start to struggle, he had some decent numbers in the Reds' bullpen. Uh, over the last couple of years, so maybe he can slot in there and they give you know one of the kids a shot like they were planning on doing earlier on in the off season. Right, and included in that uh, mix was Robbie Ray, which brings us to our next topic because Robbie Ray is no longer with the organization. Uh, he was moved over to the Diamondbacks in a three-way trade that uh, saw the Tigers pick up Shane Green. And again, here's a, a player that I haven't had a chance myself to really, uh, you know, focus on too much to see pitch, you know, even to look at the stat lines. Uh, but I, I was able to watch some clips of a game that he pitched, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, seemed to, to feature some pretty nasty stuff, especially a slider that just seemed to really bob and weave and move, and he got a lot of swings and misses. And uh, the question, you know, that came to my mind, Rob, was is is this the guy that could be the next Rick Porcello in terms of being a, you know, a young starter uh, with a lot of ground ball stuff? You know, people are kind of down on Shane Green's minor league numbers, but, uh, you know, he had a very good uh, short stretch with the Yankees when he was finally called up in 2014. Um, he's definitely a little bit older than your normal uh, your normal prospect. He's already 26 years old at this point, so he's not, you know, a three years old. Uh, but I, I remember watching the game he pitched against the Tigers this year where he threw eight shutout innings, and I came away from that very impressed. Uh, and then, you know, this was even well before he was even on the Tigers' radar as a potential starter for our team. Um, you know, I was very impressed with how he was able to locate the ball down in the strike zone. Um, you know, even if, you know, hitters are able to go down and get that pitch, they're not going to do as much with it as, you know, someone who leaves the ball up too much. So I'm really impressed with his you know, sinker-slider combo that he's going to be using down there. Uh, and I'm hoping to take a look back at some of his starts and see – what he can get out of the, the changeup as well, because he struggled a little bit, a little bit against left-handed hitters last year. But if he can develop that changeup, uh, and that's something that Jeff Jones has done with other pitchers on the staff, you know, Anibal Sanchez, David Price, both saw big increases in their changeup usage when they got to Detroit. So if Green can develop that, I think he could be a, you know, a pretty good starter for the Tigers. 
Yeah, definitely uh, something to watch for in 2015. I'm most eager, I think, to see how Shane Green shakes out in the lineup, maybe more than any of the other subjects we've talked about. That's that's the one thing I'm looking forward to in 2015. Now, before we leave the topics of the trades, you did bring up just just a few moments ago uh, the fact that the Tigers picked up Alex Wilson in that Red Sox deal for Cespedes and Porcello. Uh, what can you tell us about Alex Wilson? You know, I haven't had a chance to look too much into what Wilson features, uh, but I do know that he's not the prototypical Dave Dabrowski hard-throwing right-hander. Um, his fastball, you know, sits at 93 to 94 miles an hour, but it's not the 97, 98 that they, they like to get from other guys. Um, he also has a, a slider and a cutter. I'm actually looking at his uh, page on Brooks Baseball right now, um, so I'm not too not too familiar with what he features, but I know that he struggled a lot in 2013 and then uh, pitched pretty well on a small sample in 2014. So he's kind of a mystery at this point, but I think a little bit less of a mystery than some of the other guys we have floating around the minor leagues. All right. Talking with Rob Rojacki from BlessYouBoys.com here on the Bless you Boys podcast. Uh, we're just about out of time, Rob, but I wanted to touch on one other subject, and that is uh, Bovada out of Las Vegas just recently released the World Series odds that they're looking forward to 2015. And the Tigers appear to be in a three-way tie for fourth place on that list. They're listed at 12 to 1 odds. Uh, and funnily enough, they were they were listed at 10 to 1 before the uh, the winter meetings and the moves that Dombrowski made. So they lost a little bit after that. Uh, and, and the usual suspects are near the top of the list, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Nationals. It's not the greatest uh, spot for the Tigers to be. Um, but then again, they are way, way ahead of their divisional rivals, uh, like the White Sox and Royals, who are both listed at 25 to 1 odds. So I guess the question is, are we looking at probably another divisional title for the Tigers in 2015? At this point, I would definitely consider the Tigers the favorites. Uh, I know that the White Sox have made a lot of moves this offseason, and I really like the moves that they've made. I think Rick Hahn is uh, you know, actually positioning himself and his team as someone to be worried about in the future. But I think that they're still a little ways away. Um, you know, They've got you know, a solid starting rotation, or at least top of the rotation, in Chris Sale, Jeff Samarja, and uh, Jose Quintana. But you know, the back of that rotation was brutal, just brutally awful in, in 2014. And they cr- traded away a guy in Chris Bassett uh, in that Samarja deal who I thought would have been, you know, a decent, you know, fourth or fifth starter for them going forward. Um, you know, they've got the the corpse of John Danks sitting back there right now <laughs> with uh, some other guys, you know. So it'll be interesting to see if they can pick up someone or, you know, find a, a contributor to the back of that rotation. Um you know, their bullpen is kind of the same way. It was brutally awful in 2014. Um, they signed David Robertson to a, a big deal, and that should definitely help solidify the ninth inning. But I'm still a little wary of their ability to get the ball to Robertson uh, before then. Um, you know, they also signed Zach Duke, who is coming off of a good year, but before that really hadn't been a very good pitcher. Um, and that was a that was kind of a puzzling deal. With, he got $15 million over three years. Uh, so that was a uh, quite a bit of money for a guy who doesn't have a long track record of success. Um, you know, and the lineup is still a little bit shaky for them as well. You know, they've got a few a few good top end guys. Jose Abreu is going to be a threat. I think Adam LaRoche was a nice pickup for them, but they still got uh, a few holes throughout that lineup, and it'll be interesting to see where the, what they do if they do anything else to plug those holes. Yeah, and I think you and I have talked offline, and you've said also maybe on the site as well that it's really the Indians you're most concerned with. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, they 
they actually set a record for the highest strikeout rate, or their starting rotation set a record for the highest strikeout rate in MLB history last year. Um, you know, and they've got a couple young guys, and Danny Salazar and Trevor Bauer that can take a step forward. Uh, I think Corey Kluber is really the real deal um, as far as a, as a front of the rotation ace. Um, you know, and Carlos Carrasco even showed some good signs out of that rotation as well last year. Uh, they've always given the Tigers fits, uh, especially playing at home in Ohio. Um, you know, the Tigers have never really played well in progressive field over the last uh, seven, eight years. So it'll be interesting to see what they what they can do, and especially if they can get some some decent production out of that lineup. If a couple guys can bounce back, I think they could be they could be the Tigers' biggest threat in 2015. All right, and uh, we are just about out of time for today's podcast. Rob, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today, and I'm sure you'll be back uh, back in the virtual studio with us again. Um, if the listeners want to connect with you uh, outside of the site, where can they find you online? Uh, well, obviously, I'm uh, on our site, www.blessyouboys.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at BYBRob, uh, and I'm also primarily handling the, uh, the Bless You Boys Twitter account as well. So any of those spots you'll be able to find to interact with me. Yes, Rob is all over Twitter right now. So pretty much any handle you reach out to on Twitter, you you probably find Rob behind it in some way, shape, or form. So thanks again for joining us, Rob. And uh, for all you listeners out there, uh, this is going to be kind of going forward, the format we're looking at. going to try and do more live shows and be able to interact with callers on the fly. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll see you back here again, 10 o'clock on Saturday next week, although it is the Christmas season. So if we happen to miss out on that, uh, from all of us at BlessYouBoys.com, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a very happy Tigers New Year. So from all of us at Bless You Boys, take care 